Hello, Hi. everyone, and you're very welcome to Friday Sport with myself, Aidan Raftery, and that was kindly sponsored by Best Drive here in Roscommon Town. And now it's time for In the Line Out with myself and, of course, our rugby expert, Michael. How are you? Are you well? Good now, Aidan, yourself. Well, thanks very much for uh, for doing In the Line Out with us again this week. I suppose uh, it's kind of a sombre note that we, we, we start off the the, the show consider with the regards to to the Irish women's team. Did it, they fail to qualify for the World Cup? A huge a, a huge blow to their Ireland women's when you consider like how well they have done in the past. And maybe I think you that, 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 that game against Spain that 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 uh, match against. That, that that went against them? Yeah, I think that really, I suppose, a lot of the spotlight will come on the Scotland game, but the result that'll really leave a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths was, of course, the defeat to Spain. And yes, of yeah. course, uh, there's, there's really um, almost uh, run out of adjectives to describe the disappointment as feel, but uh, it, uh, oh, no matter what way you look at it, it is a huge disappointment that they have missed out on qualifying for the World Cup for the first time. Now, it's while it is a disappointment, uh, you can't say it's not uh, undeserved because you know when you when you've been losing to Scotland, a team that you've been beating consistently in the Six Nations, and when losing to a team of the caliber of Spain, with all due respect, uh, that's a team doesn't deserve to qualify for a World Cup playing like that. And certainly uh, many aspects of the performance uh, have, they require a lot of work. So it's, it's, disapp- it's disappointing, but, it's, but it's, not, it's, it's a fair assessment really of where they're at. And I think that's the one uh, takeaway a lot of people take from it is that Irish women's rugby is in a very bad place right now. And it's, this, is the, this is just a, a clear indictment of that. But I suppose, really, you know, taking it from here, Irish women's rugby is, the Ireland women's rugby team is, go from here. I mean, obviously, now that they haven't qualified for this campaign, but like, where do we go? Like, what what does it take to kind of get back up to the, st- um, the standards of previous seasons? That, like, you know, is it is it tactics? Maybe is it change of uh, some of the players? Do we need to bring? More talent and get rid of some talent. Is it? Is it maybe retirements? Is it retirements to key players, or is it a combination of all of those? It's a very wide subject, and uh, Irish women's rugby really needs to be reviewed at a macro level, uh, uh, not ju- not just uh, in terms of the performances on the pitch, but uh, the women's rugby at large across the country, because. You know the the reality is that uh, women's rugby has been in decline in this country since uh, since 2015, and we you know when we had won a Grand Slam in 2013 and won a Six Nations Championship in 2015, and it's been steadily in decline since then. But uh, last for for instance, uh, when the the 2017 Women's World Cup was held here in Ireland, and Ireland uh, didn't do as well as they would have hoped. There was a major review done by the IRFU, but the review was never made public. And we did discover that they set a few ambitious targets in that review. For instance, they wanted to qualify for the next World Cup. They wanted to win the Six Nations before 2023. There was a lot of um, 
fanciful ideas really put into it. But there was no actual transparency as to the structures they were going to put in place or the mechanisms that they were going to put in place to achieve these objectives. So I think that's one thing that people would like to see this time round is just uh, not just a, a, a report, but a, a more a more comprehensive uh, publication of the findings and the and the the main body of the report as to how they're going to about uh, making improvements in the future. So I think that's that's one change people would like to see at this point in time. And also, I suppose the other the other thing is that they you know the the women's all Ireland league in this in this country. You know, people would like you know would like to see the RFU try and develop a bit more because it is uh, imperative that they do so if they want the the national team to progress even further. And then I suppose because you know international rugby, it's as high pressure and as intense and it comes, and the girls really haven't been getting enough exposure to a uh, high pressure rugby, and they they need to do that. And one of the ways that they that the RFU could try and achieve that is definitely by promoting the, the Women's All-Ireland League. Uh, but that, that requires a great deal of thought. So yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a lot to be done if we are to rediscover the heights of 2013 and 2015. That's it, because I suppose really when, when, you, when you look at ladies' Gaelic football, t- it's changing codes, but it's still a matter of for like a ladies' When you look at the LGFA, the Ladies' Gaelic Football Association, uh, it, it, that was in the doldrums. It was never getting any coverage, and then along, and you know that boosted the sort of coverage and promotion of Gaelic football. And we, we've actually seen where, you know, in all our previous to this, you know, attendances would have been, we say, a couple of hundred at most. But now, thanks to I suppose the promotion by T. We've seen that, you know, it, it, it's a lot more than that now, and there's a lot better. Thing yeah. and a lot more investment in the ladies' game, so maybe that's a model that the uh, you could look at when, with regards to how to improve the the AIL league. Yeah, well, I think it's kind of more on improving the standard of rugby within the league because, like the the marketing side of it is wanting, like for instance, uh, the the women's rugby games are now being televised live and they are being covered a bit more. So there's been a few steps in the right direction there. So, like, I mean. The, the marketing may bring in investment, as you say, but I think, you know, that's that's kind of a different side of it. What they mainly, I suppose, what I'm getting at is the improving the standard of rugby and the quality mm. of rugby and the, the getting the getting the women's team more exposure to the to the high pressure to high pressure game and getting them as to experience uh, games that are of a similar intensity to what they'll be facing at international level and like for instance Linda Dugang who's a tight head for for Ireland is has been making the move to Claremont Avern that's going to happen soon some Irish players have moved across the water to are now applying their trade in England because they feel that the the French league and the English league um, would be our, more of an elitist standard and our better training road for international level, which is just, a, I suppose, is it, it should be a, su- a subtle hint to the RFU that obviously they're not happy with the standard of rugby here, so their their talent is being exported to other leagues to try and get that. So hopefully that they'll take the kind of subtle hint 
and then actually, and actually commit to improving the standard of rugby because I think that's that's essentially what they need to do. Now, obviously, there's a you know this is a comprehensive subject, but that's that would that would be one of the things that they need to do. The bike product of the um, of the investment, like I was saying earlier, is with, with proper investment, you you could get like full time coaches and professional coaches and things like that, and. Uh, you know, proper having the men's game, like you know, with Munster, Ulster, Leinster, and Connacht, that that kind of level, all the resources that these these players players need to be enhance their uh, the skill levels and the standards of rugby. But uh, you know, that's from from where the investment will come in that they will be able to get a good standard of full time coaches, which would which would improve the skills. I'm not saying that the players aren't. Skilled. It's just it would bring a, I suppose, a bit more professionalism to the the trend is. Yeah, well, I think uh, that's that's a good point. Yeah, that we definitely need to improve the co- the coaching center because, well, I suppose uh, when you when you look at uh, the the women's performances, uh, uh, the overall picture, like uh, we are seeing handling errors happening on a consistent basis now. Against Scotland, the line-out was a little bit better than what it was previously. But uh, when you look at the overall picture, the line-out has faltered on a number of occasions and it could be better at the breakdown as well. So when I suppose when you see these things are happening on a consistent and regular basis, then you have to uh, re- apply more scrutiny to the coaching. So definitely I think that there is improvement could be done within that department. And moving on to... Bad news is the the retirement of Claire Malloy. What a player she served uh, this Ireland team for so long. Um, her her retirement, I would imagine, especially when you see where rugby is at the moment. I think the last thing they needed was, you, you know, the retirement of one of their one of their best players in in uh, and experience that she has losing her at, at a time like this. Blow to the team. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's unfortunate that she didn't get to uh, finish her career with a flourish, but uh, she's retiring at a, at a very depressing time for the, the women's international rugby team. But having said that, you know, she has been one of our, our best ever, you know. Her longevity is testimony to her class and her consistency as a player. You know, 74 caps she won for the Irish women's team and played in three World Cups. She was a, a former Irish Player of the Year in 2012, Rugby Writers Player of the Year 2017. And of course, we she was part of the side that won a, a Grand Slam and a Six Nations title at the start of the last decade. So, you know, she's done it. She's done pretty much done it all, apart from the, the, the World Cup being the obvious void. But everything else, you know, her, her track record speaks for itself. Her longevity speaks for itself and safe to say, I think everybody will agree that she's been a terrific servant to Irish rugby. And of course, there are boots to fill, but I suppose if you were to look at the squad, I, I know I'm not, maybe, you know, the, yep. off, the off the field kind of activities and what's going on off it. If you, if you assess the squad and look at the squad, if there was any, if there was in the squad that would be capable of stepping into those boots, would there be, what, would it be, or would it be? Uh, so would they need to be? It, would it be? It would replace a player like her. It's it's not easy. It's not easy. Like I suppose she she's a flanker herself. Like so, 
you know, you're looking at like Edel McMahon was the was a starting our place. Claire Malloy came on as a sub for Edel McMahon at uh, the, the, the weekend. So she she plays in her position. Dorothy Wall is a, another very accomplished back row uh, who may be asked to fill the, the flanker position occasionally. Well, I know Dorothy Wall sometimes plays blindside. I don't know if Adam Griggs has in mind that she'll transfer over to open side flanker, which is sometimes where Claire Malloy plays. But yeah, the, the back rows are the kind of the players will do will be the the spotlight will be on them now to try and step up to the plate, but it's not easy to fill her shoes. That's it. And moving on to Connacht now, um, Connacht suffered a twenty one defeat to Cardiff in United Rugby in the United Rugby Championship. And also lo- looking ahead, they're um, they're at home to the Blue the Bulls this weekend as well. So, what are, what are your thoughts on Connacht? Yeah, look, disappointing start to the United Rugby Championship now. Um, we talked about last week how there was a seismic injury list uh, heading over to the game. But having said that, they, 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 we did feel that Connacht did have enough quality to beat the Cardiff Blues. And it is a, a ground in Cardiff Arms Park where they had won in the past. So from the, you, you would be disappointed, uh, especially you know the, when, you, when you look at the dying stages of that game ill-discipline cost them in that game. Like, for instance, uh, they had a man advantage when Seb Davies got a sin bin with a yellow card. But then Connacht themselves get two yellow cards. Uh, they get they lose a new signing, Mac Hansen, who gets a yellow card as well. And uh, Jack Jack Carty gets a, a sin bin as well for illegally entering a rook. So they had a man advantage and they threw it all away by suddenly being down to 13 men for 10 minutes themselves. So... Definitely, the the ill discipline may, makes for cons- makes for concerning reading, uh, and in spite of the injuries, so Andy Friend will be disappointed from that point of view. And now, of course, they come in against the Bulls. They're at home this time, and it's a it's a game that Connacht would definitely have to win, uh, because last year the their home record uh, well, fell fell short of expectations. They only won something like three games from eight. Connacht will have to put it right this year if they are to have any chance of making the knockout stages. And a win is definitely imperative at this stage because they still, before the international break, they still have to play Munster and Ulster before the international break. So Connacht need points on the board. So this game against the Bulls now is is going to be one that they're going to have to target to win. And the fact that they have fans in the sports ground, which they didn't have last year, should hopefully increase the chance of making that happen along with the fact that they have some players coming back into the fold as well. So you would be hoping and you would be expecting a Connacht to turn things around here. No problem. Well, listen, thanks very much, uh, Michael, for doing In The Line this week. And we look forward to talking to you again next week and looking back at the weekend's games. Thank you, Aidan. No problem. Thank you very much. And that was our expert, Michael Cook.